This episode is sponsored by Podgo. We use Podgo to monetize all of our podcasts and get paid within 24 hours. So if you're a podcast, want to get paid, be sure to check out Podgo. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. That's Podgo dot C-O. And be sure to enter our name in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. See you guys in the episode. It's the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we welcome you to episode number 56, where today... We're going to be talking about SpaceX. That is correct. This is a pretty random topic, but I think a pretty interesting one too. Because This is not I'm, random at all. No, random. I say random because usually, like, especially recently, like Parker and I have started to like, you know, plan out like 10 episodes, five episodes ahead. So what, when I say random, I mean, this was not one of those planned ones. It was that just is like, just not hey, true. <laughs> This is cool. I mean, we do plan episodes ahead, though. Like, well, no, we have like a list. Yeah, we have a we list of episodes out, we like, could talk about. A couple. This days was not before. on the list, so I say random because it wasn't on the list. So we're yeah. like, hey, this is a pretty cool topic to talk about. Anyways, yeah. the reason we're doing it is because we're why, like why SpaceX. It's simply because you know there are a lot of space agencies in the world. Like you know, there's ESA, NASA, just to name the biggest ones. There are obviously a lot more. There's the Indian Space Agency that's been making news recently. Um, There have been a lot of basically space agencies in the world. But SpaceX and Blue Origin too with Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin, if you guys have heard of that. And uh, Galaxy by Virgin. Is that what it's called? Galactic? Virgin Galactic. Oh, that's by... Virgin Galactic. Richard Branson. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he... But he has a different plan though. It's not exactly a launch from surface yeah he, so it's not he's exactly just, uh he's doing like commercial right so he, like i think his plan flights. is basically to like literally take a plane that has a rocket and then yeah. from the air they're gonna be shooting the rocket into space that's yeah the but idea. he just wants to do orbital flights right he's not yeah trying to exactly to so which is okay this is okay for or just yeah, orbital yeah. flights but yeah. the moment you want to you know go further away then we start to get into problematic territory but again mm-hmm. the reason for choosing spacex specifically is well because to be honest, I think SpaceX is the one out of all of them that is mind-bogglingly revolutionary. You know, like where, like if if you're if if you have to pick one and say which one will change the future, I think SpaceX is the answer. Actually, I mean, I don't know <laughs> because I mean, the thing is, money will drive the space race. Um, you know, as fast as it, like they want to, essentially, and you know, that is true. if, if bezos really wants to he could put like an insane amount of money into his program and then just you know advance very i don't know if we would do that because see like there is still like a very there's still an order of things you know like there's still a way that the whole process goes and like elon musk starting out in 2006 with his first launch and we're going to be talking about all that stuff Mm -hmm. so like starting in all the way then to all the way building up to 2015 where the you know the first uh what am i trying to say like the first reusable stage and then yeah. moving on to now where obviously you know we have we have them going the capabilities of them going to mars and all this good stuff Actually, so it's a whole it's a whole <laughs> process technically they're all reusable but that was the first like recoverable one right? recoverable recoverable yeah. is the right word that's true technically well technically no that's not actually right no that's not true not, either yeah they're not all reusable yeah. because of the way that they build the actual tanks so yeah. they have to they have to take into consideration that they're going to be refueling these before they make the tanks so mm-hmm. the the equipment was not like you can't even refuel it even if somehow you got it mm-hmm. you know like let's say like for example, somehow you just had um, an already used Saturn V rocket. You couldn't just put fuel in there, kind of like, you know, it would be True. a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, I don't so, really understand the yeah. reasons behind that, but I can definitely see that, like, mm-hmm. you would need, mm-hmm. like, a specific type of, of tank to be able to 
just like fill it up and go obviously there's more there's exactly, more exactly. there's to a do lot that, more but, to yeah. it right also an, yeah. a, a very important part is also the engine itself right the mm-hmm. engine has to be able to reignite so if you guys have seen our rocket science part two episode highly recommended by the way go check it out uh we talk about some pretty technical stuff when it comes to rockets right and in there, like I mentioned a cool thing about liquid versus solid fuel and how liquid fuel is almost a primary resource for all rockets. All rockets mainly run on liquid fuel. However, to, to decrease costs and stuff like that, they mainly only allow one ignition of the engine. That means once you ignite it, you can't reignite it because you require like some... Okay, I mean, I, I think I'm going back technical, but uh, in that episode, like I was mentioning this thing called TTEB which allows engines to ignite the rocket, right? So if they put enough of that, which is what exactly what SpaceX does, they can reignite those engines. So even if you get a rocket that can be refueled, you still would need the engine to be able to reignite, which is also a mm-hmm. very important part of, you know, recovering these stages. Mm-hmm. Now, before we start talking even more about yeah, SpaceX... We- <laughs> Let's get into a little bit of news, everybody. Uh, We are currently sitting, I think, very close to 94,000 downloads. Ooh! Very close to 100,000. If you have, I think we'll do this right after we finish recording this episode, but we'll post a post on Instagram where you can leave your questions. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to do, like, I don't know. I don't think we decided if we're going to make it like a mini episode. Maybe we'll just upload it to YouTube, you know? Like we might just make it like a YouTube video where we just answer your questions just to do like a special 100K milestone um, type episode there. Mm -hmm. Or if we're going to actually make it an episode and post it to the podcast. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, just go on to our Instagram at math.physics.podcast and ask some questions and then Mm -hmm. we will answer those questions yeah so by the time this video is up or this episode is up yeah uh the post should already be there so if you just head to our instagram you can ask a question and it doesn't really matter what like any question to be honest obviously Mm -hmm. depending on the number of questions we might have to see you know how much time we have and all that stuff so we don't even know there were quite a few people who responded on the instagram story saying yes to the hundred thousand to the hundred k q a i like the name so thank you for those people who responded. And because of you, we will be conducting this Q&A. And we actually did do a 10K Q&A. Yes. Which is, yes. Which is interesting because now we're literally 10Xing yeah. our <laughs> our total downloads, which is awesome. I like, wait, thought to be on... Yeah, sorry, sorry, continue. No, when we hit 10K, we're like, damn, 10K yeah. is like a, a big yeah. month, which it was, I mean, at the time. Yeah. But now it's like we're coming up on 100K and then... You think about like, okay, 10x from 10k is 100k and we're almost there. Like, okay, 10x from 100k, we're going to do the 1 million, one million. the 1 million Q&A. We that's going to be crazy. <laughs> we yeah. need the milli. Yeah, we so that, 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 that's going to be the future. But at least for now with, um, with our 10k, I still remember like, you know, I was, I was wondering, hey, let's do a 50k or 25k Q&A, something like that. And we were always like, yeah, well, that. we can't have too many Q&As, then they won't yeah. mean anything. So <laughs> I guess we're just sticking to the gonna 10 multiplier now. To answer. Yeah, <laughs> the 10 multiplier. It's a nice schedule. Also, okay, so getting actually, into no, keep this. the comment of the week. Oh. So we actually got some nice comments on the recent uh, episode, but I'm going to take the very first one. And that is by Kieran99344. That's his YouTube handle. I'm assuming your name is Kieran, so shout out Kieran. Kieran says, hi, from London. I discovered your podcast a little over a week ago. Started on episode one. Instantly hooked hooked me in. I'm now up to date, eagerly waiting for the next one. I started listening and uh, and have listened to every episode. Wow. On full volume, playing aloud at work. (laughs) Every time someone passes, they'd be like, wow, you're smart. (laughs) I'm like, I'm really not. I barely understand. But but it's so fascinating, the ideas, the theories being talked about, and I'm trying my best to learn what's going on, and I'm glad to say I'm learning bit by bit. Keep it up, lads. Thank you, Kieran. Thank Thank you you for that wonderful comment. Nice to hear. Obviously, that is our goal, to get people that don't understand science and physics to understand science, like, you know, physics and science. So, yeah. 
Thank well, you. Thank not you for necessarily comment. to understand it. <laughs> to be fair, we're not out here teaching people. That is very true. We are trying to impart our love of learning it. Let me put it yeah. like that. So we are we are imparting. So we are simply telling you, well, if you enjoy it as much as we do, you can listen to us and then learn it yourself, because that would obviously always be better than, you know, listening to two second year university kids. I just had a quick idea, actually. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I don't know if this is ever going to actually happen. Mm -hmm. But if you're a listener of ours and you want to actually, like, have us explain to you concepts, like Rayhan and I actually tutor students. So if you want to, like, send us an email if you're looking for a tutor or something you know whatever well like, like maybe we'll take you on as a student that's just maybe a little idea that i thought of but you know. okay well i mean i, we'll I mean we can get into the specifics depending on who emails us if people yeah. want to do this no so, we'll yeah, just so if, we'll just answer your email and go you know case by case yeah, yeah. whatever happens but yeah mm -hmm. so let's let's now uh start this episode yeah so Talk spacex about, uh, i think the first thing we should get into is of course the history Everybody knows I'm the history buff. I love to talk <laughs> about, uh, you know, way back in the day. Okay, so let's take you guys back to 2001, the year that Rayhan and I were born in. <laughs> and this yep. is actually the year where Elon Musk, the, the great entrepreneur, engineer, had the idea he had this little project he called Mars Oasis. And this little conceptualization was to send like a greenhouse project to Mars and to grow um, plants on Mars. And um, the reason why, I mean, obviously the, this project to people like Rehan and I is like a very cool thing where it's like okay we're gonna go we're gonna send plants to mars you know whatever mm -hmm. i don't know if like you know maybe to the, the the government officials if you uh propose that project they'd be like okay well why <laughs> you know we're gonna spend all this money just to grow some plants on a anyways mm -hmm. but anyway he he wanted to do it he wanted to fulfill his his little uh project so Obviously, you need rockets to get to uh, Mars. And so he went to Russia looking to buy some rockets at a cheap price. Turns out rockets aren't very cheap, as you can <laughs> imagine. And so he actually, he didn't buy any rockets, but it sparked a very nice idea that the materials to build rockets are very cheap about three percent of the sale price of rockets back really? in 2001 yeah wow that's pretty that's a pretty big thing that's three yeah, percent that's small i mean that's a small thing <laughs> yeah 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 so he thought he said okay why don't i just make my own rockets and then boom the first idea for spacex wow uh, came out where his his mission is not well you know like a sub reason is to colonize uh mars but the the, the more like short-term um medium-term goal is mm -hmm. to reduce the cost of space mm -hmm. travel because as as just a a person that's just going about their lives you don't really think about going to space mm -hmm. right you think about waking up going going to work and then going on vacation sometime you know whatever you don't really think about going to space but imagine if going to space was the same price as going to thailand you know what i mean like a lot of people would actually consider like okay let's go to space like what mm -hmm. is what is cooler i this is my personal opinion but what is cooler than going to space you get to float around and um like Something I know you can actually experience zero gravity with the planes, you know, the way they go up and down and stuff like that. But um, I just think that going to space, experiencing zero gravity and um, like seeing <laughs> seeing space, being outside of the Earth's atmosphere and all that stuff. Um, I think all of this is only due to the fact that we haven't been to space. 
And let me let me let me continue well, to make my point. I think you have to go once. Let me continue to make my point though. Yeah, that would be really cool. But I'm saying like 200 years from now, which is not even that far. Maybe maybe 100 years from now, when commercial space, maybe even less. What am I saying? When commercial space flight might become like, oh, it's only like five thousand dollars to go to. Sp- Obviously, right now it's like five hundred thousand dollars that the Japanese, or no, actually I think it was a few million dollars actually. That no, I, thought, um, I thought it was two hundred thousand. For a ticket, because he was trying to make a, he was trying to fundraise money for us for something else oh. or something like that. Anyways, it's very expensive to go to space right now, in 2021. But mm-hmm. the goal, obviously, for like let's say 80, 90, 100 years from now, I might be you know exaggerating the goal actually. But who knows when commercial space flight actually becomes a thing? When what you just experienced and what you just said, oh, it's so cool, I'm floating in space, won't be a thing anymore. Because at that point, that. they'll just be like, well. On my way here, I, I visit space every time. Yeah, so what's I the highly big deal? doubt that. I don't to be know. Honest. You think so? I yeah, definitely. Be, be, I don't know, cause just cause okay, Im- imagine people. imagine a hundred years ago, imagine a hundred two hundred years ago, thinking or, or like one person thinking about flying to another country with an airplane. I mean, <laughs> there's no way. There's no way you would have thought of I mean, something like that. I mean, flying is like, kind of cool. That would be though, crazy. Even... I fly in the sky. That's nuts. No, but nowadays flying is still cool. You get on. Yeah, a plane no, 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 and no. no. Like, but okay, but I'm is, trying to make an cool. analogy, though. I'm like, in those days, going to another country by plane, obviously, because you could still go to another country. But the the process is what I'm talking about. That plane journey through the air was something that no one ever thought about but at the so, same time you're not floating though <laughs> like the floating is the cool part <laughs> why does floating like it, matter like, man it doesn't matter that it's like like you know it would be the same level of coolness if like you had like a zero gravity room you know like what if you why, why are you friends, so obsessed with zero gravity like again it's cool because not, we haven't you, experienced wait, hold it on. we wait, haven't wait, experienced hold on, hold on, it hold on are you saying you would not want to have like a light switch on your wall where you can just turn it on and you could just zero gravity. Like that would be so cool. That would Bro, be okay. so cool. <laughs> that's a, that's a phenomenal idea. It's, it's, it's truly amazing to think about. It is cool. I'm not saying it's not cool, but what I'm saying is that by that time, by 80, 90 years from now, people <laughs> are not going to think it's so cool because they would have been no, doing I, it I, so I, often. I don't believe that. There's okay, well, you know, <laughs> I I don't believe. Anyways, well, let's see the situation. Okay, Coming back you, into you, SpaceX, though, you're not allowed to get into my zero gravity room when I go. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you have no rights. Anyway, coming back into SpaceX again, a big advantage of making all of the products in house, and you know, as you were saying, like it's three percent of the sale value. So making all of the products by yourself, in house, in store, basically instead of buying it from somewhere else, saved him so much money that eventually, of course, NASA, who, remember, his original goal was to raise the funding of NASA, was to get NASA to be able to send his plants to Mars or send his plants anywhere. But obviously that couldn't happen because of the power and the money that they required. So then thinking about it, he made his own agency called SpaceX now that we know. But more importantly, he funded everything himself and all of the projects, all of the operations, every single rocket were made in-house or at least he didn't most funded of it himself. He had investors. No, I'm okay. Sorry. Funded himself was wrong, but he did primarily put up a lot of the capital himself because it was his project. Like he was, I believe he was the largest shareholder of SpaceX all the way. So I don't have a fact check on No, that. because I, I believe yeah. that is true because I was I was actually looking at something and I can't quote it, but I was looking at something where it was uh after this launch, Elon Musk owned seventy million shares of SpaceX, valued at this largest shareholder of space. So yeah. I'm just okay. assuming and I am gonna assume because SpaceX is under Elon Musk's name, I'm going to assume that Elon Musk was the largest shareholder. So probably the largest person to also invest inject his capital into it. Idea being that SpaceX launched a rocket for like $80 million while NASA and ESA could do the same thing for about $200, $250 million. Um, they got the price to reduce significantly by building in-home product. And they also did some other things, I believe, because to simply get that $200 million price tag to $90 million is not easy. Like, I believe there were a lot of other things as well that he did that I don't know if we're going to get specifically into, 
but there were a lot of you know cut like corners and stuff that he that he cut and he managed to make this rocket for this amount of money well do you now, know if it has anything to do with the rocket designs like the price what do you mean like the design as in because the rockets aren't the same as like the nasa rockets right the way they like, design no. them exactly so that like do the designs have anything to do with the price well yeah obviously oh yeah. that way like yeah like obviously the diameter of the oh that way yes 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 so the diameter of the falcon 9 and all the falcon rockets are actually significantly smaller than that of like the like the nasa and the esa rockets right which actually does contribute into making the price cheaper but also forces them to not put as much payload so for example now, this is the drawback of SpaceX. Now, the fact that it's so cheap and the fact that, you know, it's so light and it's using these good materials, how much can it really carry to low Earth orbit? Like, how much weight, what's the payload weight that it can take to an orbit around the Earth? So that was starting to become questionable, right? And originally, when SpaceX started, and I think we can get into this a little bit, its very first launch, the Falcon 1, where it had its one Merlin engine, right? The Merlin engine is a very famous engine. If you guys know about it now, the Merlin 1D used on all Falcon 9s and Falcon Heavies. So the Merlin engine was developed all the way back then. I think 2006, right? Was the first launch or 2000? Um, I think it was not six. sure, actually. The, the very first launch, the very first successful... Wait, which, okay. 2008 which, which was the first are you successful launch. About? Yeah. So 2006 to 2008 so about two years they tried launching falcon 1 now falcon 1 failed three times they've launched it three times it failed all three times now remember now now now, now think about in the position of elon musk you're elon musk crazy to okay. think about. but let's say you're elon musk right now <laughs> you have opened this company funded these three rockets all three have failed and you have a government agency on your back, NASA, for example, like NASA and them had a contract that they were going to start to renew about mm. putting payload in orbit. But obviously they couldn't even get their first thing. I mean, again, NASA didn't actually agree to the contract at that time. They were still making fixations because they hadn't even launched the rocket yet. Right. The thing is, after Perseverance, obviously, and I mean, we know the story of Elon Musk, so there's no reason in hyping it up. But that fourth launch, and I think it was September 2018, I mean, uh, uh, 2008. 2008, yeah. Was when they launched Falcon 1 for the very first time successfully. Or on the, the very first flight, time yeah. successfully with the fourth flight. <laughs> That's right. But it was the very first time successfully. And this was and a believe, very, yeah. yeah, this was a very historical moment. Yeah. Because for the very first time in all of history, the first rocket to reach orbit by a privately funded company mm -hmm. like like we're not talking like governmental agencies like nasa esa all that stuff they have like the power of the government behind them even though yep. they don't get the appreciation that they should which is a whole other topic um they still have like they are like a branch of the government in 2008, we see some random, well, not some random guy. <laughs> we see we see somebody just on his own. He's like, I'm going to make my own rockets and we're going to go to orbit. Obviously, he needed some permissions from the government in order to go to outside the, um, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but this is actually something that we googled before recording the episode because we were actually genuinely wondering like can you just build a rocket in your backyard and launch it into orbit turns out you can actually build a rocket in your backyard garage wherever you want but to actually send it to orbit you do need permission from the government or it, I'm sure the laws depend on where you are in the world, but yeah, you can build a rocket though. So that's cool. Can I, can I tell you, okay, so I was researching this story. I'm going to mm -hmm. be like, Hey, this is pretty funny, but this just turned into something pretty sad. What? So <laughs> what the hell? So remember that story I was telling you about before, just before we started the podcast, um, 
I was talking about this one flat earther who had built his own rocket aiming to shoot himself into space, prove the earth was flat, come oh. down and everything's good. So apparently, not only did his rocket fail, but but when he crashed, he died. Wow. Yeah, so he was he was a professional flat earther. This is under his Wikipedia bio. Wait, I was gonna and make a bad joke. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Don't 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 make a joke right now. His name is Michael Hughes. If you guys wanna you know, if you guys wanna maybe search him up, goes by Mad Mike Hughes, American limousine driver, profession oh, professed flat earther. Sorry, not professional. Professed flat earther. And I'm assuming that he was known for yeah, so he was known for building steam rockets. Now <laughs> okay, you know, I can't laugh on this. I can't laugh because this is a terrible thing. But obviously his his goal was to shoot this rocket into space. And anyways, let's forget Wait, the crash part of it. No, but one second, did he yeah. like obviously if you're planning to go into space, you need to do some mathematical calculations. So did he assume the earth was flat in his calculations? And also There's side no question, way. side question, did that yeah. also play into the fact that he was not successful. There's a there's a video of this guy shooting himself. What? I'm into space. There's okay, no hold way. Hold on. You have to stop saying shooting himself. Okay, I keep finishing. You have to say launching himself. <laughs> launching himself. Okay, we're def Okay, I'm putting this link in the description below. It is very interesting. Anyways, this is not much to do with what we're talking about because originally I was gonna bring this con this topic up because I wanted to talk about the various laws and stuff required to go into space. Because remember, just because you have a rocket doesn't mean you can shoot yourself up into space. I keep saying shoot. Doesn't mean you can launch yourself up into space, right? Or even if you don't, even if you're not in it, like let's say you built a rocket, and I'm not talking about a model rocket here. I'm talking about a legitimate rocket, like the size of the Falcon 1, for example. If you build a rocket, you can't simply launch it into space. You would need, especially in America, and, and I think as you did mention, it does depend on which country you're in. So yep. there are some strict laws on like, you know, what you can launch and stuff and where the altitude and all that good stuff. So there are some regulations that he had to take care of. But again, what Falcon 1 achieved was very monumental because that was also only with the one, with the single engine, right? With mm -hmm. that, that was with your single Merlin engine. We then, you know, I think I'm fast forwarding a little too much, but then I, I believe he wanted to make the Falcon 5. The next project was the Falcon 5 that was, you know, rumored to have, well, very obviously, five Merlin engines, right? All the difference between all of these numbers are simply the number of engines. And that's a nice way to think about all rockets. For example, the Saturn 5, five engines, the Proton 4, four engines. So it's all about the number of engines and the style and the type of rocket that's used. Mm -hmm. So the Falcon 5, as I was just mentioning, was supposed to be a project that was going to be successful until it became the more known Falcon 9. Oh, wow. You know, we know the Falcon well, 9 is one of the most successful, and I say one of the most successful is because it was the very first recovered rocket. Right? The Falcon 9... Actually, sorry. sorry? Before yeah. you before you talk about Falcon Nine, just a little, just some notable uh, achievements here. Okay, let's hear. Um, it. The, the the year after they had the first rocket to reach orbit, private company, all that stuff, um, they actually put a satellite into orbit, which was the first time it was done by a private company. Also, the year after that, they launched, orbit, and recovered a spacecraft. First time done by private company. And then two years after that, this is 2012 now, um, they sent a spacecraft to the ISS. Mm -hmm. Once again, first time by a private yeah. company. True. And then now, um, fast forward to 2015. And this was actually the first time that they were able um, to land a rocket on land. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> it's funny that you that you have to say it like that because they recovered the rocket technically right it was a very yeah. interesting maneuver that we will get into but do remember right like all of this is stemming from some basic 
physics, right? And it all, all of this rocket launch, understanding how these rocket launches work, they all stem from understanding physics and understanding the way that these rockets work. And an awesome way to understand how these work is by checking out Brilliant. Wow. By going into the description, link in the description below, you guys can check out Brilliant. It's a pretty cool website. This episode is actually sponsored by them. And uh, basically, we have a lot of courses at Brilliant that talk about the various natures of the physics required to do all these things that we're talking about. Obviously, this is very complicated, but to get that foundational physics it will get you there. They have some really cool courses on astronomy. They have some on gravitational physics, actually. That's pretty interesting. That might, you know, help with understanding how mass changes and your change in momentum, especially with your gravitational force in your rocket, how rockets work. (laughs) All of that is basically explained in their various courses that they have. So definitely check it out. They have a cool website. They have a cool section on all their courses that you can check out. So yeah, give it a look in the description below. So yeah, to start your scientific journey, make sure to click that link, brilliant.org slash MPP. And uh, the first 200 to sign up for a premium membership will get 20% off. Damn. So click that link. The big number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. (laughs) You, You know, one day, like what if somebody goes on Brilliant, learns about physics and rockets and all that stuff and they actually become a an aerospace engineer and they end up working at spacex oh and they end up making the next revolutionary rocket oh what do you think that would be what what's the next like revolutionary rocket what what what's it what's gonna be okay if you're asking what the revolutionary rocket would be but you're still asking it still must be a rocket then i don't know if there's that much advance like if we're still keeping our design with what we have right now like the fact that there's some fuel being transmitted to an engine the engine is you know yeah. expelling the fuel to move forward that idea oops <laughs> or maybe okay maybe not the next revolutionary rocket but like the next brilliant idea that will change uh, to be honest to be honest actually continuing on that question i could give you an answer like this there are some fuels that have been hypothesized that could as you very well mentioned revolutionize rocketry forever for example deuterium which is one of the isotopes for hydrogen is not actually commonly found anywhere (laughs) but but if we can make a stable form I believe, yeah, it's deuterium that provides almost that unlimited energy, right? Because I think the next best thing, okay, so the best thing that we could ever hope for would be metallic hydrogen, right? If we can use metallic hydrogen, which is basically hydrogen in its solid form, which has been hypothesized to exist, you know, at the core of stars. I th- No, core of the earth? Core of stars. I, I don't know. Core of stars? Wait. Is it core of the doesn't earth? matter. Anyway, core of something. Basically, a very pressurized region for this metallic hydrogen to exist. Metallic hydrogen could actually provide us with almost limitless power. Wow. So using metallic hydrogen, we could actually power an engine. And obviously, I don't know the very specific details, but I do know the rough idea. And it's very similar to deuterium as well. Basically, elements that we can't really find. And it will be able to provide very, very, very long travel journeys. So basically the fuel will be able to continue to burn for extended times and it would not be, you know, it would basically not, how do I say this? How do I say this nicely? The ISP is a lot higher the specific impulse. That's the technical term. That means the engine can run a lot longer on the same amount of fuel. That's the best way to put it. That's actually a nice way to put it. So, that would be actually the revolutionary rocket phase if we were to get something like that. And that would be pretty crazy. So I'm thinking my, about a rocket like that. I'm not sure how achievable this is. Yeah. But no, let's talk about the space elevator, okay? And why this would revolutionize rocket flight, okay? Okay, so, I want to hear this. 
So the space elevator. Yeah. Okay. This is the idea. You have a cable that is tied down to the earth and that it, there's like kind of like a docking module at the end of the cable and that module is outside of uh, the atmosphere or I guess into the stratosphere something like that mm-hmm. such that like the the angular momentum of the earth will actually keep that rope nice and tight and then it'll keep the module just like in space right you see what I mean you see right like the set the centri- the centrifugal force will keep it out into into the stratosphere okay but here's the idea here's the idea um what you do is that you tie like some type of elevator to that rope that will like climb up and down the rope and what you do is you bring your rockets up to the docking module and then you launch from there where there is less gravitational force which makes it easier to actually leave the the earth's pull no one cares about gravitational force though it's air resistance that's the big okay problem. well air resistance because... and also and also because right the 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 further away you are from sea level for example the less you actually have to deal with uh you know like using up your fuel of course to get up the rope you're gonna need or you you can use like electrical energy for example mm-hmm. but once you're there you're only you don't need to spend or to to use your your fuel to get up to that point to get past the mm-hmm. air resistance the mm-hmm. the gravitational um and like i want to yeah, say like, I, know, I, I totally know what you mean because i, I, know, I actually what's that word read... though i was looking for a word i like glitched for a second the gravitational potential energy right that you have okay. to convert yeah 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 so i I actually read a very similar article maybe we read the same thing or maybe saw a video on it where it was talking about this exact thing where the future of rocketry truly would be if we can or not future of again just like a, a shortcut would be if we can kind of push our rockets to the level of space and then we can launch it from there because mm-hmm. on average i mean obviously this number might not be very i mean i'm just Around 30 to 40%. I think that's a very reasonable number. A very big chunk of your rocket's fuel is being used only to get out of Earth. Is only used to get out of Earth. Which so, makes sense interesting. if you think about it, right? Because once you're in space, yeah. you're just cruising. You know yeah, once I mean? you're in space, you're cruising. Once you're in space, you, you're you cruising. You need to do some to adjustments, but you know, you're, so, you're already going. To get into orbit... Right, the average orbital velocity is about eight kilometers per second. Right, around that speed, depending on the height, obviously it can vary, but eight is a very general number. So that means that the rocket would have to reach eight thousand meters per second by the time it's in orbit. And now remember, because of air resistance and because of well, gravity is an obvious factor, but air resistance is the biggest one because of the atmosphere itself. Right, because if there was no atmosphere like the moon, we would have no problem shoot up perfect but because we have an atmosphere very unfortunately or fortunately because of the uv rays but anyways uh because we have an atmosphere we have to get out of it and getting out of it is the biggest problem so if we could actually make the space elevator to get a rocket all the way up there and then launch it it would be cool but here's the problem now here's what i was thinking about while you were saying that stuff now the biggest question is, well, first of all, how high do you propose the space elevator would be? Would it be all the way to geostationary orbit? Well, okay, I don't, I don't know the specifics here, but it's, like, would uh, it just be to, like, two hundred, I mean, three hundred kilometers above? Ideally, you would uh, put this into a multivariable function, and you'd solve oh my. For the, <laughs> the maxima, right, to get the best. Well, bang we don't for have a lot of variables here, though. Yeah. Remember that because the prob, the biggest problem. Well, with no, this we is, do remember, actually. No, we do what? because one, you need to consider the energy it takes to actually transport up to the yeah. two. Also, building materials. The That's the thing. That's another it, thing. We don't actually that have that yet. We don't have building materials that are strong enough to actually no, but if, withhold all of this. I, I know, but if if we were in like like we were hired 
to plan this out and say, okay, we'll figure out the ideal height that will one like a lot in the long term will save us the most money. Then we have to take into consideration like the height of the elevator, the materials, um, you know, where no, we're going to now, get. now, now, let me pose this. Now, let me pose this contra, this kind of con question, like this op, like this opposing question yeah. here. And this is where a lot of people are like, well, you know what? I see why we don't need one. The space elevator is very expensive, very expensive. It of costs, course. I think, around like 15 or something billion dollars to build. Okay. Right. Which actually. So the, Sorry, fifteen billion. You can you can get that from Musk. <laughs> okay, you have relax, a nice pitch, you know? <laughs> I'm not gonna start <laughs> donating a space elevator. If you have a if you have a good pitch, you know, that's <laughs> not that much. To honestly, elevator. to him. Yeah, okay. Anyways, saying, anyways, that's not the point. Though the point is that it would it would take materials that we don't even have yet to make such a thing, right? And to actually get this rocket all the way there. Like these are all just questions. These are all not questions. These are all just theories that we have. That, oh, it could happen like this. It could happen like this. But we don't know. And I don't think we ever will know until we actually, you know, actually, you know, um, what do you call it? Allocate resources for building such a, such a, such a thing. Well, first of all, we, we have to come up with an actual plan. You yeah, know what I mean? But like, we why? can't wait to get the resources to plan Because see, there are two out. options here. Either we pour all this money into a space elevator and live with the way we're building our rockets or we think of a new way to yeah, make our Yeah, you just change rockets. everything. But in the long run, it'll be cheaper. Like, that's just, that's the goal. Okay, this is a very nice idea. Nothing to do with SpaceX whatsoever. It's a very nice idea that you bring up the <laughs> space elevator. It could be thought of more in detail that we can go into, but I think we shouldn't. Also, for some reason, I wanted to talk about like atmospheric pressure, but <laughs> that's kind of what? off topic. That's so off topic. That's <laughs> nothing actually, to do. Okay, you know, I, I'm going to mention it because oh, it's, it's just kind of funny if you think about it. The, Go for it. Like we are used to one atmospheric pressure, right? 10, what is it? 100 kilopascals. 101 kilopascals, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just like always on us, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about it, that's the average weight of if you were to take like a column, a slice of like a three-dimensional cylinder above your body that goes all the way out. Like that's the average weight of the air molecules um, pushing on on mm -hmm. your head. Mm -hmm. And the reason why your ears pop is because when you get higher up in the atmosphere, there's just less molecules above your head, which is what causes the atmospheric pressure to go down. But because we were talking about like stratospheres and things like mm -hmm. that, and the, the idea of like air molecules. You just thought of air mind. pressure yeah. <laughs> in an interest. Okay. I mean, that's an interesting way to, th yeah. I mean, air, you know, air pressure also atmosphere is again, the one reason mm -hmm. the the whole difficult part of, you know launching a rocket right now like that's the whole thing and, and one thing that's actually kind of sorry go ahead okay <laughs> i would i mean i would just kind of resort i was going to resort it into moving on to venus because you know we how we know venus has one of the most dense atmospheres in the world oh yeah i mean in the in the world in the, in the solar <laughs> system so we know that it is nearly if not impossible at least with the technology we have now the the engines we have now to launch from the surface of Venus because it has mm. so much atmospheric pressure that we literally like all of almost 100% of our fuel will simply be into trying to get out of the atmosphere, but we oh, won't wow. be able to. Right. You yeah. were saying something that I, I was just going to talk about um, terminal velocity. Okay. Um, which actually it's one of the first problems that you do in a differential equations course. Um, because then you can model like the velocity as you as you start because your velocity is going to depend or the, the change in your velocity is going to depend on the actual velocity that you have. And you can plug in like the air resistance um, components and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that um, your velocity is like asymptotal to a, a terminal velocity, which can be calculated. Isn't asymptotic, asymptotic. I don't know the actual word. Asymptotic. <laughs> it, it, will, it will. There will be an asymptote to the uh, anyway, to the total yeah. velocity, and it's so cool when you actually visualize it because it's like the faster you go, the more collisions you are having with air molecules, which is automatically going to slow you down. In physics, yeah. we totally, you know, up to this point, we totally ignore air resistance, and you know, with that line of logic, it's like you can drop 
an object from very far away and it will just go way like way too fast in like in terms of actual velocities that we see and that's because of air resistance but also air resistance is not very hard to incorporate into a physical equation no into it's a physics not hard. equation it's simply a it's one just, term it's just not convenient if yeah you're exactly like... it's just not convenient because it's that extra term that you have to, have yeah. to include and it's a whole new you know variable that you have now have to consider but yeah, mm-hmm. but essentially it's just that one extra term. And that is that is the whole situation with, you know, what are we going to do in the future for counteracting our mm-hmm. atmosphere? And actually but, to segue, yeah. So I just wanted to bring this back to SpaceX. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was just <laughs> going to say bringing it back to SpaceX. No, so okay. <laughs> I have a great segue. Um, the most recent, um, wait, why am I blanking on the name? Starship? Link? Starship? Starship. Like yeah. the recent SpaceX so, yeah, yeah. trials? Yeah, the most recent uh, Starship, uh, Starship launches. Yeah. Right? If you watch the video, which I totally recommend, uh, everyone goes and watches the video of the, the trials, that they're basically, they were just testing, like, landing, right? That's they were the, basically just testing the whole the whole situation where, okay, let's simulate like high, it. Like, like, if like it's high on altitude... Yeah, like what's going to happen? Landing. Basically, like it, they were simulating like, okay, let's say they're now entering this, the like Martian mm. atmosphere or the Earth, Earth atmosphere. They're basically simply trying to land it and to see how well their telemetry works. Mm-hmm. I believe that was their main mission, yeah. And so you, you'll actually notice in the video that the Starship goes horizontal once it reaches the peak height in the, in the flight. And that is actually because of air resistance, right? It goes horizontal so that just the geometry of the, the of the ship slows it down, slows sl- slows <laughs> slows it down. <laughs> slows it. Slows, slows. It? straight up okay. slows. What do you say? Slows it. What does that even mean? <laughs> what are you saying, man? <laughs> it slows it down. Slows. Straight up slows. So that yeah. it doesn't have to use any any extra fuel than it would need. If it were to fall vertically, it would mm-hmm. need to use more fuel to slow it down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously you want to save on costs. You want to take advantage of the fact that we have an atmosphere and say, if we just go horizontal, we'll slow down. We'll actually be able to like steer towards the landing because there are like some fins on it right so you know of course some smart people over at spacex who are good at uh coding right i I feel like most of most of aerospace engineering is just you know you learn physics and then you just code just code it (laughs) so yeah they take advantage of uh air drag because a big thing right with the whole so okay if anyone listening plays kerbal space program please put it in the comments below because I want to talk wow. to you. And I think I have mentioned this before. And the reason I mentioned this is because if you have played Kerbal Space Program, or if you don't know what it is, it's basically a game where you can build rockets and fly rockets. Reason why we're talking about it on this episode. And what you were just talking about, you know, why it's horizontal is actually very, I mean, it is scientifically accurate because it is what happens. But more importantly, you can see this happen in a lot of these games, in any rocket game or in any in any physics simulation, basically, in any physics engine, you can kind of tell. Think about a planet and think about entering that planet. What would be easier if you simply drop straight down or if you aerobrake? Now, aerobrake, for those unknown with that term, is basically, you know, you have some orbit and via the atmosphere, you're going slower, slower. So you keep going in and in and in until you finally land. So the question that I'm asking is, would you rather go straight down or would you basically go closer and closer almost in a spiral? And the scientific answer is by far a spiral because going straight down will not only damage everything on your craft because of the speed, but you are also retrieving the most amount of aerodynamic pressure. Right. As Parker was saying, it's all about air pressure. So if you're going straight down, you're getting the most possible amount, which no rocket would want, no person would want to sit in that rocket going at that speed, going in that trajectory. So 
what you're always looking for is you're always looking to be horizontal with respect to the surface. And then you very carefully start to become more and more and more vertical. When you are almost like two to three seconds, maybe four, maybe four seconds above the ground, that's when it's called a suicide burn. So a suicide burn is basically when they max out their thrust. So when they just run at constant thrust for X amount of time, and after that time, they will perfectly be at zero meters per second vertical on the surface. So the point of a suicide burn, once again, just repeating it, is you're at some speed, let's say 10 meters per second in some direction, right? Because you could be tilted X, Y, Z, because remember, this is three dimensions here. So you could be tilted in any, di in any direction. The suicide burn, after just throttling your engine, you will basically, after continuing to burn, uh, continuing to burn is a technical term, you will become straight, vertical, and then you will be able to land on the ground. So by a suicide burn, you will, you will have wiped out all of your speed, and you will land on the ground. Now, this is also a very, you know, this is also a very risky scenario, because if you miss, then you could explode, which is what <laughs> happened, actually, on some of the Starship, on some of the Starship videos, if you see. So if you actually look at the very first Starship uh, um, flight test flight when it failed because it failed I believe three four times so with the very first one it was going so fast that it had completely miscalculated its suicide burn and it would already like it was like on a 30 degree angle when it was coming to hit the ground so that had just exploded so I think even the second one had miscalculated it but then when they finally got it you can see how this works so looking at any rocket landing and I'm talking about SpaceX like re like recovering you can see how this works. You can see it very, very carefully moving from like a horizontal-ish position to an almost clear vertical position straight downwards. So it's a very mm -hmm. beautiful sight to see if you guys haven't seen it. So definitely go look it up. Yeah. And I'm always confused when, you know, the average person is like, ha ha ha. These smart rocket scientists can't even land their rocket. <laughs> But it's like, okay, first of all, <laughs> this is like the most revolutionary like event. Yeah, this is in, this just being ignorant. This is just them flight. being ignorant. But also, not only, okay, you know, it was unsuccessful, whatever. But it's not it's not that the flight was unsuccessful, because they also collected so much useful data in that in that flight that inevitably like this might be this might be like inaccurate but like inaccurate. every flight every test flight gets better every time no is that not true well like, that is the that is the point of the test flights, no yes. I, I i know but but what i'm saying is that like they've never like landed two and then crashed one you know what i mean like it's always like crash crash and then they just land, you know what I mean? For no, like but the there have been like rocket. specific. There have been like specific instances, I believe, where there have been crashes for very specific reasons. Like you know, the tide was a little, you know, more yeah. than they anticipated, or like they landed at a little bit off, stuff like that. So like there have been instances when that has happened. But I do understand what you mean. Like the test flights are very important to do. Yeah. And remember, it we much rather have Starship crash here than on Mars. <laughs> right. much rather have that happen so yeah. it's good that this is happening because again this is a test flight the purpose of this flight is to test it so if it fails that's not a failure because you're learning what not to do next time for sure for sure that's the whole point of the test right so technically like so technically like no i mean yes the flights did quote unquote fail but it wasn't a failure mm -hmm. because the whole point was to test you know all the parts of the starship that they can you know in 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 future help and uh, fix so mm -hmm. why starship why is starship so cool so the biggest thing about starship right it, is that it has the raptor engines and i believe the raptor engines were were a thing were proposed like in 2011 or like 20, 2010 or something or 2012 i believe when elon musk first first time got the idea or not idea but officially stated we will be going to Mars and I think he said like 10 to 15 years back in then. So I think back in like 2012, he had told the public that we would be going to Mars by mid-2020s. Now, 
2021. Who knows? I mean, I don't think we're going to get there by mid-2020s. Maybe a little more. But anyways, that was his plan. And the reason the Raptor is such an is such an efficient engine and the reason we're using it is because of the fuel that we're using in that engine, to power that engine. The fuel that we're using is a mix of liquid methane and liquid oxygen. Now, why methane? Because methane is available on the surface of Mars. Incredible. So the idea is after they launch Starship, obviously Starship is only the second stage of the rocket. So like, I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard of the BFR, the big, well, it, I, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but it's called a big friggin' rocket. And the point of that rocket is to launch Starship. Right? Starship is basically the second stage that we're very commonly seeing, but there's actually going to be a rocket attached to it to launch it into space, right? Because what did I say? Earth, hardest thing to leave. Hardest thing to leave. Once we leave, we're good. So we just need that guy to leave Earth, and then we're golden. So the idea is once Starship lands on Mars, it can refuel on the surface of Mars, which, I mean, I just, I'm just boggled by this because I'm just like, you're just refueling from... I don't know, I just never thought about just, you know, going to another planet, just sticking a drill inside and you're, and you're refueling <laughs> your rocket. Like, that's a pretty insane thing to think about. And that is the purpose of methane. That is his purpose of methane. And I think if this works out, man, it would be very so crazy. Cool. Very innovative, you know. You very have to innovative. You do with very innovative what you have. And so before we uh, close off this podcast, I'd like to say um, a couple more achievements couple more notable events that uh, SpaceX has been a part of. Uh, we so didn't even first talk about off, Starlink. Yo, we didn't talk about Starlink. Let's talk about Starlink after. Let's yeah, I mean, after. we can also talk about it in a future episode. That, that is always, <laughs> always an, an option. Um, I wanted to say 2012. No, wait, I already said this. But they went to Inter International Space Station. But that was just with the spacecraft. Okay, but if you actually... Fast forward to 2020, last year, they sent humans to the ISS, which is, I don't know if it's harder, but you definitely need more testing and all that stuff because it's a different beast, you know, when you're sending a rocket to the ISS versus sending a rocket with humans inside, there's a lot more mm -hmm. at stake. Like, imagine SpaceX just kills two astronauts while trying to mm -hmm. go to the... Or, like, they crash into the space station and, like, yeah. the whole thing goes down. There's a lot of um, risky stuff going on. Of course, yeah, they were human. well prepared for an event like that, and it was successful. Yeah, human spaceflight. Yeah, as, I mean, I'm just continuing what you were saying. Human spaceflight is a whole new ball game. Cannot compare the two. Like, if you're just launching a payload versus launching a person... They're two very, very different things and very different ways to, you know, go about it because you're looking at life support, you're looking at food, you're looking at, you know, toilet and all that. Like you have to actually build basically a house for a person to live in for X well, amount of days. Not that, not that one, right? Okay, okay, not house like kitchen and all, like obviously, but you know what I mean? Like, like you need a living space Wait, for a good, what was it, 11 days? I thought that, I thought 11, that rocket no, made it like fairly quickly though. The dragon how capsule? It, how long does it take to get to the space station? Oh, very, very short. Very yeah, short. But I'm saying... Exactly. That, no, no, no. Very, very short to get to the ISS. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying for... Like the dragon capsule is in... Like in the future going to take people to the moon yeah. and stuff. So like for yeah. those kind of journeys, it has to be able to, you know, hold those kind of supports. So obviously like right now, what Elon Musk is doing, especially what he's pushing towards is simply commercializing spaceflight. Right. And instead of, oh, you have to be an astronaut to go to the moon. Now, any John Doe can go to the moon, which I think is a pretty interesting thing. I mean, not now, but that is his goal. So the idea with SpaceX and the moon right now is right now, I believe there are three multi-billionaires probably going to one Japanese man. And are the other ones? I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know. I, I mean, I'm not even sure of his name. I mean, obviously it's available, but there's this one guy that is the main pilot again he's not an actual astronaut but he is called a pilot of the uh, of the mission and the idea is that they are going to be the first commercial space flight to the moon obviously from there 
they're going to continue to a lot more a lot more traveling but i think that would would obviously revolutionize just space flight it's just travel in general because when was the last time we went to the moon 1969 or that was the first time we went to the moon sorry last time we went to the moon was probably like sometimes before the 2000s but why though why haven't we gone in so many years like it, we're basically no just need, bored of the moon and it's just like i mean there there is a quote unquote need to go to the moon but it's just so expensive that like yeah i think i think right now we're basically bored of the moon and we're trying to go to mars because we're like hey new planet we're gonna be bored of mars new planet (laughs) we're always gonna go to new planets but i think we um yeah for like in terms of talking about elon musk and all that we definitely have to make another episode because we have to talk about Neuralink. we have to talk about the boring company we if we're talk talking about, about Elon Musk like himself, that. I think that would be a very interesting episode. Yeah. But I think this one, I think we did want to focus on SpaceX. And Tesla. We didn't even talk about, about Tesla. Tesla, yeah. Tesla is a lot with For science, sure. man. We can talk yeah, about the yeah. batteries. We can talk about yeah. what they're doing. We can talk about Moore's Law. Very famous. For sure. So, yeah, we can get into all that stuff. But before we cut off today, I do want to just talk about just a little bit, because I don't even have that much information on it, just an interesting thing about Starlink. Right, so Starlink is Elon Musk's version of internet for the whole world. That is that is his idea, and again, the 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 premise is to send forty thousand satellites into orbit around the Earth. Currently, there mm-hmm. are I think thirteen to fourteen hundred satellites around the Earth, and obviously his goal is forty thousand, so it's a quite a lot more. But I believe right now people are already signed up for Starlink, and it's like. $99 a month, 500 It's very expensive. Yeah, there, there have been, like, uh, testing and all that yeah, all that stuff. exactly. And on Twitter, actually, people are, like, tweeting out, oh, this yeah. tweet has been sent out on Starlink. Like, oh, that's, cool. that's so crazy. Yeah, that's actually yeah. pretty crazy. Because yeah. remember, how is Star... Like, why, what is different from Starlink? So, like, Starlink, the only thing about it is... So, when you're talking about, like, your regular internet, you're still getting it from a satellite, right? Like, all the internet is coming from the satellite relayed through the satellites of the world from some original location then you know and it's and it's basically being relayed everywhere like if 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 my video if i'm sending something to someone else it's basically getting relayed all over the world now the idea there of, are hold on wait there are yeah. actually transatlantic cables yeah that, uh, but they're not relay, they're not satellites like, yeah i know but i'm saying like Oh, you mean oh, you mean like basically to get information across? Okay, so there are yeah, other ways yeah. to get information across. Yeah, it's not all satellites, satellites aren't the only ways. Okay, so satellites aren't the. Why am I holding my pencil? <laughs> so, <laughs> satellites aren't the only ways to get things across. Maybe you're right, but it is the fastest way to get things across. That is probably correct, because remember we're using radio waves. We're not using you know we're we're not using electrons. We're not using we're not using wires anymore, right? So that's your that's your obvious advantage. So. Your first thing is instead of getting it from, let's say you're, you're signed up with a provider, like an internet provider, they're probably providing it to a bunches of homes in their neighborhood. You're probably locked into that grid line and you're basically getting internet from all parts of that neighborhood. Now, Starlink, a little different, is basically just an, an antenna dish that you hook up to your house that is basically getting in, like that is relaying information with these satellites in space 24-7. And the idea is right now, the internet is already running at like, I think 150, 200 megabits per second of download speed. So it's already relatively fast internet, obviously nowhere close to like, for like if I'm talking about like 5G or something, because it's cell towers over here. Like you can't compare 5G or like fiber optic cables to, to Starlink, at least not right now, because they're so young. It's 1400 out of 40,000. So we still have a long time to go, but the idea is when we fully have this hunk, this basic hunk of satellites surrounding the earth, we will be able to link every part of the earth to everywhere else. And I think the goal, I also believe, is to, you know, let a lot of rural regions to get free internet. I think that is also a big part of his Starlink uh, program, to, to, to give free internet to a lot of people who actually need them. So that's also a clear advantage that we're seeing. So basically, oh, Starlink is a very advantageous project. It's really good that it's happening. And that's but basically why, the situation. Why are some people going to pay for it and some people not going to pay so for I it? So I think the situ- I think that is solely based on like what... Like, for example, if you're living in a village, 
you know, you you hardly you're hardly getting running water in that village. You're probably not gonna have cable lines. So I'm assuming again, I don't know his selection process for which villages are gonna get it and stuff, <laughs> but I do believe that he will be giving free internet to the people that actually need it. Because again, in some places where they can hardly afford running water, how are they gonna afford electricity? Forget the internet. So that's so that's the whole sure. thing. Right. That's so I mean let's crazy. see let's see how this let's let's see what happens. I'm very excited. With like Very access to information all Sorry? over the world, that's going to be crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just, that's amazing. Sure. So everybody that is listening right now to our podcast, hit that follow button on Spotify. Come watch us on YouTube where we are showing our faces and have uh, we hit post our clips. Hit that subscribe button, man. Hit that sure. subscribe button. You want to know something we... really sad that I saw? And I'm going to mention this on the podcast. I didn't actually think I was going to do this, but I'm going to do it. Actually, it's something sad and something good. So it's kind of like a mix of both. So what I found out is that on average, people are viewing like five minutes of our videos. Four to five minutes of our videos. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. That's very interesting because... We have hour-long videos. Yeah, but most of our videos are clips. No, but I'm not even talking about the clips. I'm only talking about the episodes. The episodes are averaging at five minutes an episode. So, my request or my question to the viewers on YouTube. That's sorry? not bad, though. You don't Because, like, so? some people will watch, like, 30 seconds and click off. So, that, like, affects the average a lot, you know? I guess that's also true. I mean, I guess we're both learning YouTube analytics right now. So I just want to see how it's working. But the, the good news that I was going to give you is that it is drastically up from like the one minute last month. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good because it is increasing at a very good rate. But, you know, it's still that number. But basically, I just wanted to say like the number is increasing. So that's the good news. But I just wanted to bring it to everyone's attention because the Bigger next time, let's say, you, person. like n next time, let's say you're watching, a, uh, like you're you're watching the math and physics podcast, and you're like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll just maybe I'll just stay for the whole video. Maybe I'll just stay for the whole video. <laughs> you know? Alrighty. Maybe. So maybe that's um, maybe maybe that just helped you do that, make that decision. If you enjoyed you're this welcome. episode, yeah, make sure to follow, subscribe, and like, and do everything, whatever. Um, <laughs> what? Any? What is that? What is that? Do whatever, man. Come on. Where is the? Any... Where's the passion? Any questions, anything at all, you can contact us. All of our information is in the description. Other and than that, talking about questions, also do remember, we have our 100K Q&A post sure. up on Instagram. So follow us at math.physics.podcast. And if and it's not up, it means we forgot to post No, we, it, there's so no way we forgot. Soon. We're going to do it like after, right after we record this episode. Right. So it's going to be up by the time this episode is out. So go check out that post. And comment. Right. This yeah. has been officially episode number 56 of oh. the Math and Physics Podcast. I am your host, Parker. And as you know, I'm Ray. And we will see you soon. Bye, guys.